This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to live their best life and become location independent. Hey, Offbeat family, I'm so excited to share this week's 50th episode. And to celebrate, I'm giving away a mentorship opportunity with me where I can help you get to the next level. You can learn tips and tricks on how to dive into becoming location independent, start your own podcast, get featured in big publications, create valuable relationships in your industry, and so much more. If you want to enter, make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com slash be mentored for a chance to win. This week, I speak with Stephanie Ferguson, who is a storyteller and freelance TV producer. Stephanie and I met two years ago, and her sense of humor and unique career has always stood out to me. And this week, I'm fortunate enough to speak with her about her experience traveling the world as a TV field producer. Her work has appeared on major national networks like Fox, CBS, History, Discovery, and the Travel Channel. Although Stephanie accomplished a great deal as a producer, having worked on the Super Bowl and traveling the world with the Travel Channel, she knew she needed to leave what many would believe as dream jobs in order to live her dream life. On this episode, Stephanie shares how to find your identity after leaving your dream job and why we must make every day count. I'm honored to have Stephanie on the 50th episode of The Offbeat Live as my guest and I've learned so much from her on this interview. So listen on to find out why she's such an incredible storyteller. for joining us today. I'm here with Stephanie. I'm so excited to have you here, Steph. Thank you. <laughs> Steph and I met each other a few, I think it was like two years ago, right? And I was just... Was it that long? Yeah, I think oh, wow. so. Well, we were at an event because of Glow. Yes. Glow Graphics. So if you guys haven't heard of her, she's incredible. And that's how Steph and I met. So she's even more amazing because of that. <laughs> and Steph, you really stood out to me because, first of all, you have a really great sense of humor. <laughs> And that's debatable. <laughs> I was laughing the whole entire night with you. And I think one of our conversations was you need to be a stand up comedian because you are hilarious. Well, I did try it once. You did? Yeah, I did. And it's terrifying. So mad respect to everyone up there on the stage. <laughs> but you make me laugh so much. And even today, we're here at Madison Square Park. There's a lot of weird things happening. Obviously, we're in New York and we got distracted by like weird looking creatures just crawling. They're aliens. The They're coming for us. No. I know. So we were talking about aliens and then all of a sudden there was like a weird thing that just popped out behind stuff. You know, just normal conversations about aliens. And then, no, they're on stilts. They're walking around. And I mean, you see weird things happen every day in New York. It's the, the sign that says, if you see something, say something. It's like, what do you mean by that? Like you see something weird every single day. It's like, how do we even go from there? So stuff, you have a really interesting career and... What stood out to me with you, because obviously your personality, your sense of humor, and you're gorgeous, obviously. Come on. 
but do. also what you do for a living. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? So I am a freelance television producer, and I know the, the term producer is pretty broad across all different industries. There's, you know, a producer in film and TV, like narrative TV is very different than a producer in unscripted TV, which is different than a producer at a uh, creative agency. So what I do is um, unscripted television. So more documentary style, factual programming. And under that umbrella also <laughs> is reality. <laughs> I, I try to stay away from, um, you know, more reality TV, but um, I do have friends uh, among the industry that cross over from documentaries to, you know, the Kardashians. <laughs> to, it's it's a lot of the same skill set that goes into putting um, a series or a film together. So what I do is I am hired by production companies because in our industry, the networks such as Discovery Channel or History or Travel Channel, they don't produce their own shows oftentimes. They hire outside production companies that those production companies hire freelancers to produce those shows. And so I am most of the time a field producer, so I actually go out into the field and I'm the one coming up with the creative and directing in the field and anything a part of that creative process. There's two industries. There's field production and then there's post-production and I've done both field and post because I, I believe that it's good to have a sense of both sides the, of the process in order to become like the best storyteller. And you do so many amazing work and you've worked with a lot of huge companies on television. But before you even worked for these dream jobs, how did you even start? What made you want to become a producer? And what were the first steps you took in order to get to this point right now? My sister likes to take credit for my television career, <laughs> if she's listening. She actually uh, got a job working for Extreme Makeover Home Edition. So, so she was in television. And when I was in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I went to school for communication. And I really stress that the most important thing to do if you are going to college is to do internships, because that is the best way to have a short period of time to really figure out if you are even interested in pursuing that. So, you know, I did internships in radio and at a sports agency and at our local news station. So I really got to see that I loved video and I loved storytelling. But then at that point, I really loved sports as well. So after I graduated, I really pursued going into sports TV. So I was blessed enough with the opportunity to uh, work at Fox Sports right out of school. That really was where I learned a lot of my skills and was thrown right into, <laughs> thrown into the fire <laughs> for sure. So your day must look so different daily. Can you run us through what your average day looks like? So it really depends on what show I'm working on and what project I'm working on. So I have worked for shows for History Channel where I'm in post-production. So I'm sitting watching footage and really getting into the graphic side of things and the post side of things with the editors. And then my next show I was on for Discovery Channel and I spent a month in the jungle. You know, my days from that show to another where I'm waking up before the sun rises to go hike up to a waterfall to go film with people who are out trying to survive in the wild is very different. So I think that is one of the things that I love about my job is that each project is very different. I never get bored. That's for sure. <laughs> 
Well, if you're trekking in the jungle and hiking and doing all of these things, I mean, come on, you're like Tomb Raider. <laughs> but this is reality right here. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. That show, I got chiggers, uh, chigger bites, if you know what those are. They're horrible. So I came home just like covered in bites, like itching. And, and so it, it's not glamorous. And I think that is people see on social media. And I feel like that's for any industry. People see photos or things posted and not realizing what actually goes on behind the scenes and that I fell in a creek and I have a massive bruise on my shin, but you know, here's this perfect sunrise over the ocean, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. And it's really rewarding to get to have all of those experience and get paid to do them. <laughs> yeah, the job that you have is incredible. And you built it for yourself. Obviously, it didn't just come overnight, you had to work a lot for it. And you had mentioned that it's not perfect. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions with someone like you who has this incredible job. And you've already worked for a lot of great companies. You've worked for the Travel Channel. Mm -hmm. You've worked for, now you're working for the Animal uh, Planet Channel and so many more. So what is the one thing that you wish you learned before doing this? Going into this industry, you know, had these grand goals of like, I was going to have my own production company by 30. I was going to have a Emmy and an Oscar by X amount of time. And it's not about that. It doesn't matter how old you are. And it doesn't matter what network you're working for or what show you're working for. Like you're not defined by the show you're working on. I worked for a really big, when I started in at Fox Sports, I started working for the NFL pregame show. And you can't really get any bigger than that in sports. And I think after leaving that, after doing the Super Bowl, I, I had this challenge of trying to find my identity without being that person that worked at Fox. And I think that it can go across any industry. Like you're not defined by the brands that you're working for. You're not defined by the number of followers that you have. As long as you are happy with what you're doing, and you're working towards a goal, don't be defined by all of that excess. Just be defined by if you are accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Don't think that anyone's expectations of where you should be is what drives you because you have to have that internal drive regardless of who you're working for and what all of those outside accomplishments are, whether that be an Emmy or whether that be a huge brand deal. We're actually going to be talking about this in the extended interview because you left a lot of dream jobs, right? Mm -hmm. You've left the Travel Channel, <laughs> yeah. you left Fox, and then now you're in Animal Planet. So you've left two of the biggest names in television. And for most people, that's the dream job. So we're going to be talking more about that and why Steph chose to do that and how she did it. Because <laughs> It's <laughs> because, not easy. <laughs> yeah, because most people, we work towards those goals and we think that's the height of it. And we accomplish so much in our life, but there's so much more from it. What has been the biggest setback that you have encountered and how do you usually handle them? I wouldn't even call it a setback, but it was a hard transition to get out of one industry, which was sports and come into TV. There was, I think, a lot of times that people in the new industry didn't fully realize what I did before. And so I think that that mentally 
really was really difficult for me to try and always have to, I felt like I had to prove myself even more because I I did do all of these amazing things. But I think at first I, I didn't felt like people knew that. And so for me, it was kind of a hit to the ego a little bit, which is good. You know, you have to be, but that was a learning lesson. And that was a good time for me to realize that you have to be okay with maybe not always being at the top. If I wasn't fully happy when I was, quote unquote, at this big show. And so really finding that in your day to day is what really matters. And if you're working towards the end goal, and now I don't even really know what the end goal is. It always changes because when I left, I was like, I want to be a travel channel producer. And then I got there and I was like, well, you know, maybe I want to do something else. So it's a continual learning process. But I think that the transitions are really hard. But knowing that those time periods are learning experiences and taking that and running with it and using it to your advantage down the line. The most interesting people that I've met are the ones that have done so many different things. And that's why I'm interviewing you because I find you so interesting <laughs> because when you find something and it makes you uncomfortable and you're not happy with it anymore you take the steps to get to the next level in your life and, and a lot of times those steps and that leap is so uncomfortable and there's so much fear to it but you are such a badass woman oh, and you were able to do all of that even though for most people I'm sure there was a lot of people that were telling you why are you leaving mm-hmm. Fox why are you leaving the travel channel mm-hmm. and here you are you're fine you survived I'm good <laughs> I'm here um, no it is hard when you have all those people like in your ear and there are things that you leave behind you know, when I was working for a travel channel show, I, as a freelancer, health insurance is a great thing. And it's not always something that comes with a job. So I had health insurance. I had a 401k. I had all of these seasons in the show was greenlit for a certain number of seasons. And I could have worked on it for I could still be working on it. But I realized that I had to leave in order to get to where I wanted to go. But I don't even really know fully where that (laughs) is. But I'm figuring it out. Um, But yeah, you have people that are gonna always be in your ear. You have to be very aware of where that advice is coming from. And when people want to give advice, take it, but always be aware of where that advice is coming from. And so if that is someone that you respect for the risks and the things that they've done, then yeah, take that and really listen to them. But also if it's someone that isn't doing what you want to do, then okay, maybe forget about it. (laughs) There's people that I, I never want to be the person that's at the same company for the rest of my life. And so if I have someone giving me advice who's been at the same company, company for 30 years, I I probably might not listen to that advice as much as I'm listening to someone who's taken the risk and who have moved to different cities and who are living more along the lines that I want to live my life. Speaking of advice, what has been the worst advice that you have ever received? So in my job, I think that it's a big part of being a producer is the people on camera. I have to have a relationship with them. And I was given advice one time to be very careful and don't have a relationship with them because you you don't want to cross that line. 
And I think, yes, there are certain people that sometimes can cross the line and merge the bridge crossover from professional relationship into too much of friends. But in order to work with and have people comfortable on camera, they have to be able to trust you. And in order to build that bond, you have to sometimes you have to talk to them like they're a human being and they're a friend. And I think that part of why I'm good at my job is because I am kind of an open book and I am honest and I'm not manipulative. I know that in some in some <laughs> shows you've seen shows like what is it unreal which is about the bachelor and how they kind of have to manipulate some people on camera and like I never want to be like that and that's why I really try to s- stay away from shows that are going to put me in an uncomfortable position because I don't want to manipulate anyone on camera building relationships is something important in my job and I think starting out someone told me that scared me off and once I realized well no I disagree with that I really found my way into learning how to build relationships in a great professional manner that works what ever happens in one person's life is not necessarily going to be the Mm -hmm. same with you so like you said take it with a grain of salt everyone's advice could be valid (laughs) some more than others but (laughs) but you also have to experience everything you know that's why we go beyond reading a book about traveling somewhere or a job for something we want to do it on our own terms and how we want to do it personally you do so many things in a day and you could be off to an exotic place or you could be boring in your pajamas yeah. which is actually not because I love being in my pajamas and doing nothing Netflix <laughs> <laughs> what is one productivity tip that has worked for you you know honestly productivity is when I a lot of times I'm more productive when I have side projects I know that sounds weird but if I'm working on a show like I always always have shows and documentaries and things that I want to pitch just for me. And when I have those on the side, I'm more motivated to, you know, I have to do that outside of the office. And so that really keeps me excited and, you know, wanting to go to work every single day. It keeps me excited because every show, it's not my dream show. You know, I have to take jobs to pay my bills. I'm never I'm never going to bounce from dream job to dream job. That's not how it works. And so sometimes you have to take job to pay your rent and you have to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, but in all of those projects, I try to take something that I can learn and know that I can use that skill down the line. And so if I'm in that position, I always try to have projects on the side that keep me excited about the industry because it's, you know, I know a project's going to end. I think that's what keeps me motivated every day in and day out to wake up and stay in this industry is when there's the opportunity down the line that I can do something that could be my own. I don't know if you have felt this, but I've talked to other creatives and they feel like they would be selling out if it's not something completely in their realm or it's not something that they're so completely interested in. And what do you have to say to that? Because you have done a lot of things besides just the dream jobs. Like, what do you say to someone who's just starting out, but they don't want to go beyond what they really want to do? Stephanie is um, shaking her head. do it. (laughs) No, you have to do it because you're going to learn things. I wouldn't have gotten to work on the Travel Channel show if I hadn't put myself out there and learned all of these different skills beforehand. When opportunity comes knocking for quote unquote your dream job or project, you know, the brand might be there, but then they're going to ask you, have you done this specific type of deal before? And your answer is going to be no. Like you have to get practice and starting out that, I mean, 
I just turned 30. My entire 20s, I looked at as I'm going to learn everything. I'm going to be a sponge and I'm going to soak up every single skill that I can because I want to have a toolbox of all of these different types of things that I can do. And I wouldn't have those skills if I said no to projects. But on the other hand, I will say that you should be selective because one time I was interviewing, it was at a time when I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Did I want to move back to LA? And I had an interview and I was up for a job as a writer producer for, I I mean, whatever, I'll say it, for E, the, (laughs) the network E. Like I said, I don't want to do that type of programming. It was a staff position. It had benefits. It was, you know, it had a great title. It paid well. But I knew if I took that, I would be closing myself off to all of these opportunities that could really get me to where I wanted to be. That was around the same time that I got the job working on a Discovery Channel show. And I went and spent a month in the jungle in the Caribbean. And even though it wasn't a long-term position and I didn't have as high of a title, I knew that I wanted to go that route and have be in the field and go more along that direction. So I think if there's something that comes to you that you can learn from to get you to where you want to be, then yes, take it. Because unless it's going to close you off from something else, I think starting out, you can't be picky. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to learn somewhere. No one's just going to be like, here, here you go. Here's your here's your dream <laughs> job. And I think I've had people ask me from the sports industry to getting to work on a show for Travel Channel. Yes, could that have happened right off the bat? Maybe, but it didn't. And I've had people who look at my career who are in the sports industry and I've had people ask me, well, how did you make that transition. I'm like a lot of work and a lot of work on shows maybe I didn't necessarily want to do, but I learned all of the skills that I needed to, to fill that gap. And then I was able to move on to it. So yeah, I mean, be wisely selective. There's a brand that wants to work with you and it's totally against your moral. <laughs> like if you're, you know, wanting to go into being health conscious and Coca-Cola approaches you, probably don't do that. I mean, depending on how much of it. <laughs> no, but you, yeah, comes you out. Get, yeah, you get it. Unless it's like totally going to challenge you morally. Don't do it. Otherwise, just take every project as a learning experience and you're I think that you're going to be surprised by what happens from those because the job that I have now which I love came from a job that I took because I needed to pay my rent because I met my boss on that show it wasn't necessarily that I was learning the most on that show but I sure met a lot of people and she got me my next job it's also you never know where those people that you're going to work with are going to end up it is about networking as well Mm -hmm. and that person like you, you came from Fox and now you have so many connections. How are you able to make money from this work that you're doing? How are you able to continue to do it today? So starting out, I was in LA and I was like a staff production assistant, not making much. But actually transitioning into the freelance world, you do get oftentimes get paid more in freelance because you aren't getting those benefits and they have to because they're shorter term projects. So companies oftentimes pay more for freelancers because you're not guaranteed work. And so sometimes you might get on a show that's a year project or you might get on a show that's a six week project. And so we're paid weekly as producers and you have to be smart because at any time a production might get shut down. There's so many factors that go into whether a show or a project is greenlit. I actually went a few months 
this past year over the holidays that I wasn't getting paid and it's tough. You know, you have to be smart and you have to hustle. But I think that there's a lot of opportunity to make good money in this industry. Although the the unions are trying to (laughs) unionize everyone, which is good. Yeah. So I think just being smart of what projects you're going to take, if it's a longer project, probably go with that. (laughs) More stability. It's a risk you have to take when you're a freelancer. So it's not glamorous. You take it day by day. You don't know sometimes where the money comes from, but it's really because it's what you love to do. And some people get into this and they realize this later on and it just happens that way. And you go back to the day job or you stay in it. Depends for everybody. Achieving your goals and your dreams is obviously not easy and you have a lot of obstacles that you have to face along the way. How do you usually handle stress and anxiety when you encounter them? I know this is weird, but I always think of like other professions who are literally saving people's lives. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not in the ER right now. No one's life is on the line. If we don't get this shot, no one's going to die. So I like to put things into perspective. Yes, I care about my job. I care. The second that you let that stress get to you is the second then also everyone around you is affected. And oftentimes that's when mistakes happen and that's when everyone's off their game and it just, it spreads out and I like to remain calm and I, <laughs> I started in live television in sports and I always tell the story because all I wanted to do was work the Super Bowl. When I was working the Super Bowl, it's you know the biggest event, like the most eyes, you know, 100 million people watching and this was like the moment that I had waited for and I'm in the broadcast truck and my coworker, we were both kind of in charge of the graphics for the pregame show leading up to kickoff and we were doing a four hour pregame show and the hour leading up my coworker's graphic machine just crashed this couldn't have happened like on a like a normal Sunday but yeah so here we are probably about a hundred million people watching and his machine crashed so every graphic that he was supposed to run I then had to do he ran different graphics than me. So his, you know, all the coding was different. I didn't even know what his graphics were. And so we were in a position where we could have easily made a mistake. And that was the moment when for an hour, I had to just remain calm because if we were to run a Peyton Manning graphic over a Russell Wilson shot, that would be really, really bad. (laughs) Like that would be really bad. But that was the biggest test of just remain calm take a couple deep breaths because if we were to let that get to us that's when we would have made the mistake and like after that that's when I freaked out (laughs) I was like oh my gosh that that happened but you just have to take a couple deep breaths know that mistakes will happen the second that you let the stress and the anxiety get to you And so now every time I'm in the field and we're, you know, producing something, this isn't live TV and I'm not saving lives. (laughs) (laughs) You already know what it was like. I mean, oh my God, the Super Bowl, you have nerves of steel. It was intense. There was about 20 people in the back of the truck freaking Freaking out, out. (laughs) like wanting to reset it at the commercial. And I was like, no, we got this. And the best part was actually my, my boss at the end at the rap party. He was like, yeah, great show stuff. I was like, yeah, except for... Um, the the graphic machine that crashed and he was like what? He had no idea and I was like that is the best thing that my boss didn't know because we covered 
for it and you remain calm and, and we're able to get through it. She gets things done, guys, okay? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like nervous thinking about it right now. <laughs> Seriously. Thank God it's in the past yes. and not yes. happening right yes. now because that yes. would be really horrible. Yeah. Let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for the stories that I was able to tell, whether that be documentaries or television or even film, but then also the way that I approach life in general. I have made it a point that I don't, at any given time, I'll stop and think. And I'm like, if I was on my deathbed right now, is there something that I would regret? And if there is, then I should go and fix that right now and treat people with respect, give back to others but then also take your life in your own hands and go do all the things that you want to do because there isn't that much time. Don't let all of the outside things get to you. I'm goofy. I'm silly. (laughs) That's how I like to live my life and I enjoy it. I want to be remembered for the stories, but then also the way that I make people feel when they're around me. Yeah, and you've done so many things already and including stand-up, so... (laughs) Now you can say, check that off your list. Yeah, it's hard. That's a craft of its own. Like, oh my gosh, you have to do that every day. I know. That's not easy. It doesn't seem like it. Because especially since you're doing it in front of other people. Like your main job is to make people laugh. It's like they're sitting there and they're like, make me laugh. Expecting it. Come on, do this. And oftentimes it's like making jokes about your own life. Yeah. So you're making fun of yourself in front of other people, which is awesome. All right. So let's get to some fun questions. Some people like myself, I nerd out and interviewing inspiring people like you, um, Netflix, travel, hiking, and a bunch of really embarrassing other stuff. What about you, stuff? What do you nerd out on? Nerd out space. <laughs> Oh my God. I, okay. I've had ridiculous dreams and goals. So my first one was I want to do the Super Bowl, which, you know, great. Second one was I want to get paid to travel around the world and eat pizza. And I did that <laughs> through Travel Channel, which I thought was so ridiculous. So my next one is I want to go to space and I want to do it within like five years. And I've said this a couple years ago and people think I'm Wait, crazy. Steph, you said that to me when we met. Yes. Two years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to space. Elon Musk. I volunteer as tribute. Like, I will go. No, I love it. I think it goes back to I am more math and science oriented, even though I don't do anything related to that anymore. But like in high school, I loved physics and just like the whole concept of how big the universe is and space time. Oh, it's crazy. Mind blown. Love it. So, yeah, that's my next goal is I want to get to space. So if anyone is listening out there that wants to put me on a spaceship and <laughs> rock it. No, I'm convinced. I want to pitch a documentary about space tourism. So you can get there? Yeah. <laughs> this is not impossible. I think we can make this happen. Mark my words, everyone here. If I go to space, we will come back to this podcast and say she said it in the year. What, what year is it? Oh, 2018. <laughs> she doesn't even but know I, <laughs> But I said, wait, was that 2016 that yeah. I said it? Okay. Yeah. See, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it happen. You're gonna- but yeah, so space. I, I still remember that. I still remember. And that's one of the things I remembered Yeah. About you you said that you wanted to do stand up mm-hmm. and then you wanted to go into space and you talked a lot about space. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so weird. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. But that's I, why you stood out, and that's why I'm interviewed. <laughs> I'm a full believer in putting it out there. And people help you when you say you want to do things. Yeah, so hopefully they can help so you. So listeners, 
if you know any billionaire that wants to fund oh wait i did i kid you not i met a guy through a friend that works for guinness book of world records and i told him this and he gave me his card and he's like this is what we need to do you need to set a record a guinness book of world record in space and find someone to sponsor you so i have his card so if anyone wants to sponsor and fund me setting a record in space call what, me what record would you be i i don't know eating, eating pizza. pizza in space <laughs> oh my god we thought about it let's the same time. <laughs> do it how many slices of pizza can one person eat in space <laughs> all right this is happening oh my god this, Beth, this is hilarious okay hopefully done, somebody's done. listening to this do you think food network would do it that's when i wish i'm like i wish i would be some like food or travel influencer so then i could pitch this if anyone out there is listening and they're gonna pitch this now because i said she'll kill you i will under you i know where you live stuff you're too much okay so this next question i ask this with every single one of my guests but for you it's kind of hilarious actually so if you were given a one minute ad slot in the super bowl oh my gosh okay (laughs) that you can't sell it (laughs) obviously you have potential to reach like millions and millions of people what would it be if i just had one minute Mm -hmm. all the thoughts running through my head right now i have one for you what? Asking someone to fund you. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I would want to do it for charity or something. You know, I'd, I would have to have something to like give back because I don't want it to all be about like, you. There, yeah. And eating pizza. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is, I'm actually a citizen of a non existent space nation. I kid you not. It's called Asgardia. It's a, it, I know. So, you know how the Space Force is a thing now? Well, a couple years ago, there's this micro nation called Asgardia that this Russian <laughs> astrophysicist <laughs> created. So it's people from all different countries that they (laughs) (laughs) they're like he's trying to create this country so like no conflicts on earth can end up in space. And so I was researching a story for Travel Channel about micronations and I came across this and so I'm a citizen. (laughs) I'm so weird. No, all my coworkers were like, you should never tell anyone that you do this. This is the weirdest thing okay. about anyway, Stephanie. Side note. <laughs> yeah, I would probably use it somehow to raise money mm-hmm. for something. My niece, she had leukemia when she was younger. So I'd maybe do something for like childhood cancer awareness, like raising money for that. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. Not and then I'd eating. be at the end. <laughs> send me to space. That. Send me to space, please. And give me pizza to eat while I'm in space. <laughs> Having traveled to so many different places besides the outer space, <laughs> what has been the most life-changing meeting with a person that you have ever met? I said a person, not a UFO. So, <laughs> Here's another fun story. I was, this was back in 2015, and I had just landed at Newark Airport. My phone was on like 1%. So I, I was sitting on the bus and I was going to take it back to Grand Central and, uh, you know, late at night. So I wasn't listening to music, didn't have my headphones in. And in walks this older gentleman and he was, you know, probably late 70s and the bus was empty, totally empty. And he sits right next to me, you know, and it's like, really? We love that like, when why? that happens. Oh my gosh. I was <laughs> a little annoyed, but he starts talking to me. He was in town because he was here to see an oncologist because his prostate cancer came back and was spreading and it had reached his bladder and he told me that his wife had just passed away six months ago and he didn't have any kids and I was you know my dad had just had prostate cancer and you know it broke my heart he was from California
California. He was all the way across the country and he was here to, you know, he was going through this alone. And so we, we chatted on the bus and he asked me, he's like, do you want to go to dinner tomorrow night? I was like, why? Yes, I would. <laughs> and so the next day I went to dinner with him. I met him at like a little restaurant by where he was staying and he was dressed in a suit and Aww. he brought me roses so and then we'd go back to the table and he had an orchid on the table Aww. yeah he's great his name's Paul and so I stayed in touch with um, Paul he didn't really know how to work his cell phone Aww. which is adorable but so he had an email address so we stayed in touch via email and I would check in on him because you know I knew he didn't really have any family and so he he was progressively getting worse, and um, I had never seen him, but I would always just try and make an effort. He then, back last year, sent me a an email asking for my address, and so I sent him my address, and he, I got home from one of my shoots, and, and I had a card in the mail from him, and it was a thank you card. And he goes, Stephanie, for being you on the other side of the rainbow, may we meet again. Oh. And then inside was a check for two thousand dollars oh my god i was like what my first reaction was like i freaked out and i yeah. you know emailed him i was like are you okay and he was fine but he had kind of like reached the point where he was gonna yeah. the doctor said there was nothing more they could do for him and so then i was like well what do i do with this money you know i have two thousand dollars and i feel bad but he had signed off every email to me, like, make every day count. Like, here was this guy at the, the end of his life, and I took that as him just passing on to me. Life is short. And so I was like, well, what do I do with the money? I'm going to make every day count with it. And I thought, well, what are the three things that it means to make every day count? It's spend time with family and friends, do things that make you uncomfortable, and three give back to others. So the the first thing I did that made me uncomfortable, I went skydiving with the money. <laughs> and I actually made a sign that said, make every day count. Aww. And I would like go and I wanted to take pictures to send it back to him. So I went skydiving. I um, wanted to hang out with family and friends. So I threw a massive pizza party <laughs> in Washington Square Park. I bought $300 worth of Joe's, Joe's oh pizza and gosh. I invited everyone. I surprised my grandma for her birthday with money. And I, oh, I gave, so fun. It was so great. I felt like like Oprah. I was like, no, it was so fun. I put a hundred dollar bill in a card and I gave it to my, um, my guy at the bodega because he's an immigrant from Yemen. And he was like, all I want to do is take my kids on vacation. And when I can, when my visa allows it, I want to do that next year. So I like put a hundred dollars in it. I was like, this is to start your vacation Aww. fun. Yeah. Cause he was the best. Like every day I see him always with a smile on his face. So I gave him that and I like, I handed it to him and I just <laughs> run away. And I kid you not, I didn't go back into that bodega for like six months because because I was, I was so uncomfortable. The next time I saw him, he was like, what? Where have you been? Like, you just give me $100 and you never come back. Anyways, it was so fun. Yeah, just, you know, did really fun things with the money. And so that was, you know, here this like one chance encounter, which, by the way, Paul's still alive. And he was trying some alternative therapy, which is actually working, which is a whole different story. Yeah. But, you know, he's my pal. And it was a chance encounter on a bus that at first I was mad that he sat down next <laughs> to me. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm jumping out of a plane because of him. And it really has, 
I've told this story to people and I think it's inspired them to to make every day count and then also you never know who you're going to meet and you know one small thing can change the rest of your life and even though it's like I haven't seen him since like we're still in touch but I think that that was a, a thing that made me think about why did I meet him and what I can do for other people you know just a small courtesy of what I thought was going to dinner with him you know maybe meant more to him than I will ever know but also his imprint on me too yeah was really life-changing for sure it's probably changed you more yeah than anything yeah. because it, it allowed you to step out of that box I mean you've already done so many things but then there, it's another perspective of what you're doing and when you're faced with a loss of someone or something very even not as traumatic it's really eye-opening and you don't you're right you don't know what another person can mean to mm-hmm. you just by that simple act of kindness or whatever it is that you're you're getting so this is probably one of the most interesting stories I've had for this question (laughs) (laughs) as you guys know uh here Stephanie is very interesting so (laughs) I also met David Beckham on one of my shoots and that was great oh there okay we're gonna talk about this So is there any question that you wish people asked you more? Maybe more about the challenges that come along with this, because although I'm pretty transparent with things that I share about hardship and whatnot, you know, no one knows what people go through in order to get to a certain point. And I think it's easy to look at someone and say, oh, wow, I want to live in New York and I want to be this TV producer. But, you know, there's there's a lot of tears and late nights that go into it nowadays, you know, with social media. And I think that's every person's life. It doesn't matter if you're a creative or whatever. I think it's being open about the hardships that come along with things. You can look at someone's life and be like, well, the way they got that photo isn't so glamorous, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone can smile for put on a smile for two seconds for a photo but they're really truly unhappy I mean you Mm -hmm. look at what happened with Anthony Bourdain he probably got told how many times that he was living the dream you couldn't get much better than that I know I looked to him he was one of the inspirations why I even wanted to work for Travel Channel and work on a show and do that and live that life was because you see it on TV but you don't know what anyone's going through behind the scenes and I think it's important to talk about the negatives just as much as the positives And I always believe that the better content it is, the more the work that comes Mm -hmm. from that and the more and the harder it is that you're working on it. So if you look at content online on social media, on television, whatever it is, the better it is, the more that person had to sacrifice, the Mm -hmm. more that person had to work. So what are you working on today that's really exciting to you? I am working currently on a show for Animal Planet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't know how much I can say. I mean, it's a show that's on right now. I know that sometimes it's like when it's in production we're not supposed to talk about it but it's my first show ever working with animals and I you know every day have all access to really unique intriguing stories and people and animals that every day I'm learning something new and that's really important to me is I want to continue to learn and I either want to learn or I want to inspire in my day-to-day it might be something where the show is not even about learning but my role I'm learning and so that could be a skill or that could be the content and right now it's it's both and it's really great and I'm not not behind a computer <laughs> which is important if our listeners want 
want to know more about you, where can they find you? They can find me. Oh, shoot. I think my Instagram is private right now. You can follow me on Steph Ferg, and that's Steph, S-T-E-P-H, Ferg, with three Gs, F-E-R-G-G-G. And maybe I'll take it off private. I'm totally a weirdo on there. Like, my Instagram stories are so random. <laughs> Our audience can see all the lovely pizza parties that you throw. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I produced a story about the origin of the modern-day pizza for Travel Channel, and I went to Naples and um, filmed in the palace that Queen Margarita ate the first margarita pizza at, and the crew, the people from the museum, took us to the garden where the first pizza was cooked, and it's like only used three times in the modern era, oh no, twice, and they had the most world-renowned chef from Naples come, and he cooked me pizza, margarita oh pizza in this oven. I kid you not. This was my goal. I was like, I want, I want to get paid to travel and eat pizza. And then two years later, it happened for Travel Channel, and I was like, What? This is like the, this is the Super Bowl of pizza. I kid you not. I was oh in God. the garden, freaking out. My coworker, she's like, What did you do? Like, we had the most epic pizza party in Naples ever. So then after that happened, I was like, Well, I can't top that. That's it. You peaked. No, I did. I peaked. And that, I kid you not, after that happened, I was like, all right, well, you know, now I can like leave this job because I can, I know. You're too much. You're like, I pretty much just did whatever it is I wanted to accomplish at this job so I could go. But they're ridiculous things like that. I, I kind of was joking about it and then it, it actually it, it happened. happened. So whatever you thought of it comes you true, put guys. It in, you put yeah. it out there. So that's why I'm putting the space thing out there. Yeah. I'm just going to keep Space keep and going. pizza, your two loves. The two loves of your life. Yeah. It's really, it's, <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Steph, for being here and Thank for you. entertaining us because this was definitely entertaining. Oh <laughs> I, I need to stop. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this interview with Stephanie Ferguson. Make sure to visit TheOffBeatLife.com. Again, that's TheOffBeatLife.com to get the extended interview with Stephanie where she shares how to get the courage to leave your dream job in order to live your dream life. Hey, Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at TheOffbeatLife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.